Hello and welcome to the 100 Day Writing Challenge, Day 23. So you've been translating the work of a great, or perhaps largely undiscovered, author and... Like all translators, your relationship to them and feelings about them and their output may be, let's say, complicated. I imagine they're not quite like you and that must feel interesting. But it's an odd feeling translating, you know, stepping out of the way so their voice can come through. Today, I'm going to ask you to do one final piece of writing in relation to this author's work. Now, depending on how you wrote the biography, how much they wrote what possibilities you did or didn't include. This may require some lateral thinking on your part or a little bit of revision, but what I'd like you to translate is an extract from the final piece of work they wrote before they died. Maybe they knew they were going to die. Maybe they had no idea. Maybe the work came years before their demise and they stopped writing. Maybe it came hours. I don't know. Is this work in a usual style? Did it speak to their earlier themes in some way, to maybe the piece of writing you were doing yesterday? Or what does their last creation, their final piece of art, sound like? They've got the floor. What did they say? You can start in the middle, at the very end, drop into a climactic scene, or write the opening. If it's a poem, you might even get the whole thing out. Maybe they wrote an essay or a piece of non-fiction. Again, I don't know. You're the authority. I trust you. You'll find out. So take your time. I'm going to give you 10 minutes. Try to listen for and find the essence of their voice in this translation and their feelings, you know, their rhythms, their word choices. I know you can. Right, so 10 minutes. Something translated from the last thing your author wrote. Are you ready to find out what it is? Cool. Go.
And there we have it. I wonder how that came out for you. How was it to write? Sometimes when people do this exercise, they go for quite wacky biographies or create quite out there eccentric authors who wrote, frankly, impossible novels. You know, they lived in a hut on the Shetlands and they created one three million word book about Stilton, where every second sentence is an anagram of the previous one, something like that. And then we get to the translation part and the person has got a really hard challenge on their hands and and that's okay you know that doesn't mean that you've gone wrong if that happened to you humor and quirkiness are never ever things i want to stamp on or place in some lower order of creation wit brings humans joy i i think that's an incontestable argument for its value but most often when i run this exercise i notice an odd thing writers very often end up creating an author to translate who isn't very much like them And the work that the author produces is often starkly different in tone to what that person has been producing in all the workshops we've done together before. So someone writing very cynical political satire might suddenly find themselves channeling a a nature poet. Young men trying to be quite cool, you know, suddenly find themselves coming out with scenes of sentimental romance. Introverts write gobby monologues from misanthropic anti-establishment firebrands. I don't think that any of those things are an accident. There's something about adopting a persona, an alter ego that is, and I know this word is frowned upon, in serious creative writing pedagogy because we're capital A artists, but adopting this alter ego can be liberating. Profoundly so, we get someone to blame. Again, this is a sneaky way of inducing this disassociative state I've been sort of going out to bat for over the past week. And I must be absolutely clear at this point, It's by no means the only game in town. You can create characters through conscious, rational decisions as well. You can plan stuff out. You can give yourself restrictions that naturally produce a certain voice. I don't mean to suggest that the one true way of writing a book is to sway and pass into a trance. It's not. But as human beings, we have subtle and not-so-subtle inhibitory mechanisms governing most of our behaviours, conscious and automatic, because historically, right, we evolved as a social species. We relied, and still do rely, on each other for food, shelter, clean water, protection from other humans. Ostracisation historically meant almost certain death. So damn right there is a part of your brain, or rather multiple parts of your brain working in concert, once you reach adulthood, that work to filter all your behaviours to check, is this culturally appropriate? Is this going to make people think I'm weird or bad or not good to hang around with? Is this going to lower my status? Is this going to reduce my chances of mating and passing on my genes? You know, we haven't even got into concepts of status yet, which are the wellspring of so many dramatic scenes, because of course, the real kink in this pretzel, right, is you're a human writing about humans for humans. The very neuroses that inhibit your writing are vulnerabilities shared in different forms by not just your characters, but your readers too. You need your vulnerabilities because they're what's going to connect with the people who read your books. Oh my goodness, how complex, how tricky, how exciting. What we have to do sometimes as writers, I think, and, 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 you know, who am I? I'm just a voice in your ear. But what I think we have to do sometimes is find ways of slipping stuff past the guards. Not because self-awareness and social intelligence are intrinsically bad. Trying to talk yourself into not caring what anyone thinks is a non-starter. We have these deep-rooted fears about that. And you can't just reason your way out of them. 
But because these feelings are not always useful and sometimes they stop our doing stuff where the risks to our well-being, our status, our social standing are somewhere between tiny and nil. The terrible morning where you wake up to find all your worst first drafts pinned to the parish notice board with the entire village gathered round, howling with gales of mocking laughter will never come, my friend. Real talk. No one gives a shit about sometimes your writing being not everything you'd like it to be. No one's watching. Exercises like this one help us to get in touch with aspects of ourselves we might otherwise squash down out of embarrassment. And those voices can be a wellspring of cool stuff. In fact, oh, 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 I've just remembered something that's really fun and low risk and might help draw some of those voices up out of the well. Want to try it? Cool. Come back tomorrow and I'll clue you in. The 100 Day Writing Challenge is made possible with the kind support of Arts Council England.